I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat, Andrew. It's a good show. Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a good one. From your life. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis and today we'll be discussing Gravity Falls Season 1 and once again, if you're an avid listener of the show, you probably recognise there was no Damask again. She's still away, she's still very busy with her stays at the moment, so... As a special guest, we have friend of the show and uh, musician extraordinaire, Lucas Heil, joining us today to talk about Gravity Falls. Falls. Lucas, how are you? I am pretty great, thank you. That's great to hear. I've had my coffee, so I'm uh, I'm awake. And no breakfast, as we discussed And no before. breakfast, no. Well, <laughs> the coffee is my breakfast. That'll do. That gets yeah. me through the day most days. Uh, so, for those who don't know, Lucas um, is the person behind the podcast who has created our bumpers, so all those transitions between segments, and also our wonderful new theme song, which we started earlier in the year, using earlier in the year. Uh, thank you very much for those. I love okay. all of them. I've had a lot of compliments about the new theme song as well. I think it just gives the show such a better energy going into it. Yeah. Uh, I love. I, it's As soon as you showed it to me, I was just like, this is brilliant. And I'm so, I couldn't believe you thought of it. It was such a clever idea. I was, I was so nervous about it because I, know, it was, I remember the messages. I was so reluctant because it was like, is this, is this a thing? Is mm-hmm. this working? But, totally. but in the process, I came across, I, I kind of went down this weird rabbit hole because I had to collect all of these, yeah. these um, what are they called? Uh, vanity card bits. Sounds at the end, yeah. Little sounds from, from the end of TV shows. And, I sort of went down this weird rabbit hole where I discovered these compilations that people have made on, oh, really? on YouTube. And they go by the name of Dream Logo Combos. Dream Logo Combos. People put oh, together these things together? and they're like, not not like mashups or anything, but mm. like like just putting one after another and saying, this is what it would be like if Disney produced a show with Nickelodeon. And it's like... And they've just they've put that. They up just put and them in an order and go. Oh, so if okay. And they have an absurd amount of likes, <laughs> and and comments saying fantastic, thanks for this. And I'm I'm like, who who is this for? And and why are these people enjoying this? But they found an audience. They've yeah. Been- <laughs> but apparently, yeah, it's like people people are like, oh, imagine imagine if David Lynch did a show <laughs> that was on you know the Comedy Channel or something sure. like that. It's hmm. I don't know about this. So they sort of, so, in a way, had done your job for you, rather than having to go and get every individual one. You were like, "Oh, this one's got like five. I can yeah. use this one's got like." Oh, that's yeah, amazing. they saved a lot of time. That's very, very handy. Uh, so yeah, how we asked you to do this because I got to work with you in a show that you were the creators of. Um, birth, uh, sorry, not Birth Logic Club is the name of the company. Yeah, trying my best, which we have mentioned on the show before. Mm. Um, when I think you guys first released it, which was how long ago? When, when did that come out? Now, too many years ago. It's it's hard. It's hard for me to say because like I've. Only 
only just recently finished fulfilling Kickstarter backer rewards, <laughs> so it feels like oh yeah, no, it's it's still still going, still kicking. Describe or pitch. Try my best to our listeners for me, Lucas, if you can. It's a it's a children's television show that no child should ever, under any circumstances, watch. I think that's a perfect pitch. It's yeah. exactly what it is. It's uh it's a pretty out there, bizarre, gross. Hilarious little show that you can find on YouTube on Birthday Loyalty Club, their channel on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it's called Loyalty Try My Club. Best. Definitely, definitely recommend checking it out. I had so much fun. Got to assistant direct on that show. It was the best. I think about it all the time, actually. It's been so long since I've been on set for anything. And mm. just that was, the, I think, what was it, two weeks, three weeks did that yeah. for? It was so much fun so much shooting fun. that. Yeah. Have you been watching anything else aside from Gravity Falls, obviously, which we'll get to in a moment? Anything uh, else recently? Yeah, I've I, I've been watching a few different things. I watched uh, Chernobyl, the mm. uh, the HBO critically acclaimed series. Absolutely, um, it's one of those it's one of those shows that's it's really it's and I mean this in a in a really uh, positive way. Mm. It's it's one of those shows that is really hard to watch all in one sitting. Sure. It's um. Did you try? Well, there were there were some sometimes when I watched two. Yeah, and that <laughs> together, was enough. And it was like, yeah, you just have to take time to to just go away and breathe and mm-hmm. think about you know the the reality of of what that show is. And it's um they've they've done an amazing amazing job with it. Um, uh, I actually also listened to uh, the podcast that uh, the writer of that show. Does. I don't know whether you're familiar with that. No, no. I think it'd be right up your alley. Oh yeah, cool. It's, um, I'll plug another podcast. Please do. Here. I actually love that. Um, it's called Script Notes. Script Notes. Yeah. Cool. And it's um, it's it's Craig Mason, the 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 guy who who essentially wrote that screenplay, mm. and uh, another screenwriter. This podcast is not just about Chernobyl. I'm guessing it sounds like it's about. Other shows, or yeah, and so it's 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 more about um, script writing and screenwriting in general. Um, yep. Yeah, in general, um, from you know pros in the industry, and they they have they have guests on that they interview about their cool. processes and things like that. They had um, Charlie Brooker on there. Cool, um, that was fascinating, and uh, yeah, they just they they shoot the shit about all sorts of uh, screenwriting related related things, the craft and processes, and yeah. Okay, so Chernobyl you've been watching and Script Notes, the podcast. Check that out, everyone. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of Gravity Falls Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. That was, that was your voice, Lucas. I know, that's weird. That was your voice. That is very weird. Gravity Falls is an American animated television series produced by Disney Television Animation for Disney Channel and Disney XD, created by Alex Hirsch. The series premiered on June 15th, 2012, and follows the adventures of twin siblings Dipper and Mabel Pines, who are sent to spend the summer with their great-uncle, or Grunkle Stan, in Gravity Falls, Oregon, uh, a mysterious town full of paranormal forces and supernatural creatures. The show stars Jason Ritter and Kristen Shaw as the mystery twins, Alex Hirsch as Grunkle Stan and Seuss Ramirez, Linda Cardellini as Wendy Corduroy, and an impressive list of guest and cameo voices along the way. Season 1 of Gravity Falls consists of 20 episodes, each coming in at around 21 minutes and took us approximately 6 hours and 55 minutes to watch. Lucas, Gravity Falls was something you suggested. Do you have a certain affinity for animated shows like Saturday cartoon type shows or hey, that's a tricky question. If it's if it's compelling and if it 
uh, has some kind of substance behind it. Sure. Um, I'm not a big fan of like things like SpongeBob SquarePants and right. things like that. Like, okay. Um, when I was younger, I I gravitated toward. Well, okay. I'm an Im- immediately going to lie because <laughs> uh, I I was a fan of Ren and Stimpy when I was a child. Sure. But other than that, I mean, the the stuff that I gravitated toward was uh, stuff with a sort of an ongoing plot and mm-hmm. something that you could sink your teeth into. Uh, not so much, yeah, just general cartoons. So it's got an overall arching storyline, continuity to it, those sorts of things. At some level, yeah. Gotcha. Have, are there other shows that come to mind when you say that, other animated shows in particular? Uh, Evangelion would be... Would be sure. One. I know that's in a completely Very different field. Different yeah. level, but yes, I like yeah. it. Yeah, that sort of thing. I I guess um yeah, I think I think other than other than that, cartoons, eh, there wasn't really any that I gravitated towards. Sure. So it's not like animation is necessarily something you're enthusiastic about. I am you, now. You are now. I am now, yeah. As uh, a child I wasn't. What other stuff do you are you interested in now? Like what other stuff do you watch? Um it's sort of been like obviously Adventure Time was one of those things that sort of set Sort of, mm. sort of set the path for a lot of stuff, and that was that at least was a one couple really... of years, I think, before Gravity Falls yeah, started based on yeah. my timelines. Yep, yep, and sort of that launched a whole bunch of shows like, like that had some kind of substance behind them, and, mm-hmm. and sort of made you know the producers of those shows realize that oh, like we can actually put stuff in there that that rather than I think this is one of the brilliant things about Gravity Falls too is that. It's a it's a kind of an episodic thing, mm-hmm. but they put in enough stuff that uh, it rather than you feeling like you're missing part of the plot if you miss an episode, mm-hmm. it really just rewards you for coming back. Sure, um, and I guess that's why it was one of those things where Disney, after doing all of these episodic things, mm-hmm. have sort of made that shift and gone, well, it's worked for Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. Let's start to allow this sort of thing to to develop. I was talking over Messenger with another friend of the show, Sean Kirkpatrick, who does our logo and design work and stuff like that. Because mm. as an illustrator, he's sort of into, he's big into Adventure Time and those sorts of things. I was yeah. watching Gravity Falls. I was like, have you seen this? I think this would be your show. He's like, yeah, I've seen bits of it. He, he said it was that and Adventure Time for him, which sort of started what he called the um, kids animation renaissance yes. sort of, or, or, the, or yep. the the return of it's like this silver age of um, kids television mm. or anime television and you do start to think about like for me the show that I compare Gravity Falls to that I've watched recently was the new DuckTales have you seen much of the new DuckTales stuff that- I've seen a little bit of it and there's a certain DNA crossover there which we'll talk mm. about in a little bit the only other question I had before we get into our review is how did you come by Gravity Falls? Was it something that you just happens, uh, happened upon? Someone points you in the direction of it? What made you watch it to begin with? Basically, uh, there was a point where I was kind of feeling really down and mm-hmm. I, some people, you know, when they're, when they're in a sad mood, they'll, they'll jump into like just eating ice cream or something like that. And for me, my ice cream is just sort of very fluffy, light-hearted, um, just kids' shows. Sure. Like it just sort of... Just something that I can zone out to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I watched, I started watching, it was actually a series, not Gravity Falls, it was a series called Star Versus the Forces of Evil. Yep. Another Disney series. Um, and I started watching that because it was it was on the Hulu menu and I was just like, that looks bright and colourful and will take me away from reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I jumped into that and much like Gravity Falls, it's sort of one of those things that, 
has a lot more substance than it first lets on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was really enjoying that. And then my girlfriend who was watching it along with me said, you know, if you like that, you probably really like Gravity Falls. And so I gave that a look mm-hmm. in the hiatus of, of Star vs. the Force of Evil. And yeah, it was, it was kind of one of those things that I, I slotted in in between. But once I'd watched it, I was like, I kept coming back to it because sure. it, it has it has so many layers and so much in it yep. that you kind of keep going, oh, hang on, I think I remember something, you know, from one of the earlier episodes that was a reference to something else. Sure. And, and you start seeing all these puzzle pieces slotting together and it's, yeah, it's just one of those things that that I keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, for me, I'd, I'd watched Gravity Falls... The pilot, I think, or one of the early episodes, it was being talked about when it came out in 2012. Mm. Um, there was a little bit of buzz around it when it first released. I watched an episode and was like, oh, yeah, this is cool, and just never got back to it. Mm. So, when you mentioned it and said you wanted to talk about it on the podcast, I was like, cool, awesome, a good excuse to go back and get into this show. I'm very glad we did. So, with that in mind, Lucas, could you give mm. us your review of Gravity Falls Season 1, please? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to preface, I didn't quite finish my review. I think that's important to note before I launch into it. All right, here's my review. <laughs> Gravity Falls is a goddamn delight. I love it. It's the kind of show that had it existed when I was a kid, I would have obsessed over it. And I know that because I'm a giant man-child, and when I discovered it about a year ago, I obsessed over it. The care and attention to detail in this show given by creator Alex Hirsch and his team gives it such a unique quality and voice. Even in episodes where they slap you in the face with the most overplayed tropes, they slap you at an angle that you weren't expecting, and you find yourself spitting out teeth you never knew were there. First seasons of animated shows, Disney ones in particular, have a history of getting off on a rocky start as the writers play the balancing act of both introducing and trying to get you to care for these characters that you've never met before. They need to build a compelling and believable world and provide you with enough intrigue that you'll want to come back and learn more about it. Most shows in this category are lucky if they ever get one of these elements right in the first few episodes, and they usually find their footing by about the middle of the season. This show nails it in the first episode and somehow also has the time to point out that it's here to give you some genuine belly laughs and not take yourself too seriously along the way, all within its first 22 minutes. Gravity Falls comes flying out of the gate with such confidence, throwing so much at you, you're definitely going to be losing some more of those teeth. As the season plays out, the true magic of the world of Gravity Falls starts to reveal itself. The episodic structure of the show starts to blur, and you start to suspect that a progressive plot has been building under your nose the whole time. No, this isn't a new concept, but few shows execute it quite this well. Most shows attempting this either keep teasing the same mystery over and over and start to annoy their audience by refusing to provide answers along the way. Not naming any particular shows here, but I think you know what I'm referring can to. You, can you give me one? Name a show, please. Steven Universe. Oh, really? Okay. So, I haven't watched Steven Universe first, but that's interesting. All right. mm. Gravity Falls gets the balance right, hiding mysteries and clues along the way, but also providing nuggets of answers along the way and actually rewarding those who care to dig for more. Is this the greatest TV show of all time? And that's where I stopped writing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's a shame. I would have loved to have had an answer to that, but, you know, we'll just have to soldier on. We'll never know. You've got your own mystery in your review. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that very nice. Uh, I thought that was one of the things you brought up there was the way that the show will 
go to tropes you see in kids' shows a lot, you know, deal with issues that are no, by no means new, but they mm. do find a fun way to approach it from a completely different angle than you're expecting. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's it's very self-aware, I think, of the legacy of kids' TV shows. Mm. And, yeah, it takes its time to to make sure it approaches in a completely new way. I thought it was very cool. My favourite episode when we talk, talk, when we talk about that later um, has that element where its ending is not as pat- as it could, as it might, you might expect from a kids' television show. I think it mm. brings up these issues, really complicates it, and then the ending is like more satisfying because it's not completely resolved. It's yeah. very, very cool. I very much like that. Um, so before I did my review, and my review is a little bit patchy here, and hopefully we can just think of these as prompts for discussion along the way. I want you to jump in here if you if you feel like Lucas. Sure. I uh, just want to quickly talk about our history with animated shows on hunting seasons. We've talked about Rick and Morty uh, and Bojack Horseman at length and also Avatar, uh, The Last Airbender and Korra. And of those, you can see that sort of two of them are very adult sort of orientated. Rick and Morty and Bojack Horseman, extremely adult shows. Mm. Avatar and Korra, very much more in the same sort of league as Gravity Falls, I'd say. Um, uh, And do a similar thing where they're very approachable for kids uh, but also have a lot there for adults or more mature-minded watchers as well. And so, a lot of ways I'd sort of consider or describe Gravity Falls as like a kid's version of The X-Files or Fringe or Buffy or something like that. Mm. It's got that episodic monster of the week show going on. I think um, Alex Hirsch refers to it as uh, sort of if Twin Peaks and the writers of the classic era of The Simpsons mm-hmm. um, put together a show for the Disney Channel... I think that that sort of yeah right feels like that's pretty spot on yeah 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 and like the shows that I mentioned X Files Fringe Buffy they do start off as that monster of the week and then you find out as they go along they've got these more overriding sort of uh, arcs and storylines underneath it all mm. which is very very rewarding to watch animation wise I was interested what you thought of this sort of stuff as well the designs at first didn't necessarily grab me. Those big, like, bug-like eyes Mm. that Dipper and Mabel have aren't, like, my favourite look. They sort of edge close to that family guy look, which has started to dominate kids' television in a lot of ways. It's Yeah, it seems to be a a common trend of, like, that's the style that's coming out of CalArts, which is where a lot of these animators are coming from. Right. Um, they're, They're sort of graduating from there, and they're all sort of... They're just adopting that particular style. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it either, but it I don't know, as I it didn't bug me. I don't think it bugged me, but it yeah, it leaves a lot to be desired. There's there's not really it would be nice if 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 it had a bit more of that elasticity that um that classic animation has. I I think I agree with that as well. And I look to something like the new DuckTales in a way which kind of seems to ape in a way from the original like comic strips. It's mm. good. It's, it's just why I appreciate about that is it doesn't just fit this same mold we've seen of that Cal art style that you're describing yeah. as. Um, but that being said, while the sort of designs of the characters just from a line perspective, I understand they got to create like silhouettes for these characters, those mm. recognizable shapes. Stan mm. and Dipper and Mabel and Seuss and Wendy all have that. Yeah. You and the townsfolk as well, the the cops and the you can recognize all of them just from a silhouette. Yeah. Totally Which understand is super that design. Important, yeah. Super important with this sort of stuff. Where they do do a really good job, I think, is actually sometimes it's in the color work more than anything else. Mm. They have a, a they. Great use of color and light, mm. oranges and and um, yellows and like we get a lot of time spent at like 
magic hour around that sort of Oregon forest. Or mm. I, I really like the like the opening tiles are fantastic. They make a joke at one stage in the show about how the opening tiles are the best part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> which I kind of agree with in some ways. It's just I never skipped it. I was like, oh, this is always fun. Yeah. And they sort of use that uh, painterly postcard um, look going on. Mm, yeah. And they use that in their backgrounds a lot in the way that they... Yeah, I love their background work. I'm not sure the, what that's The attention called. to detail in all of those those backgrounds is just... It's it's beautiful. They're, they're super attractive to look at. And they're always... They always feel warm. Yes. Um, yeah. The, the colour palette is, is really... Really nice. I, I really that that's color palette is that the word. And I love the way that's used in here. The soundtrack is a lot of fun as well. In the first episode, there's this very chip tuny thing going on as well, mm. um, which gets used a few more times through the series. There's a lot of other stuff going on there too, but whenever that chip tune sort of inspired music was in there, I was very very uh, into that. The humor reminds me. I was trying to think of other shows that sort of has similar sense of humor to it, and the one that came to mind. I haven't watched a heap of this. Mm. Was Fairly Odd Parents. Did you ever watch oh, that show? Not really, no. I didn't watch heaps of it. Yeah. But um, that was a show that sort of had a bit of a, not monster of the week, but there would be like a problem of the week that they would sort of solve their way through often. Mm-hmm. And the absurdity of the town around them or the people around them reminded me a lot of this show as well. It's got a similar sort of quirkiness to it, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always thought that show was way funnier than the age group it was aimed at. If that makes yeah. sense, there were joke. I would watch it and go, there's no way most kids are laughing at that, but that's really hilarious to me for some reason. <laughs> there was a little bit of like, <laughs> this very little bit of Homestar Runner in there occasionally as well. There's oh, one yeah. episode in particular where I was like, that's just straight out of Strong Bad. Well, you know why? Why? Matt Chapman is one of the writers on that show. Is so Matt Chapman- He's Strong Bad slash Homestar no Runner. I have no idea. That yep. makes so much sense. He's a writer and does a few of the voices. Yes, right. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of that influence in there. Yeah, every time a certain line will come up, you'll just be like, yeah, that's Matt Chapman, ah, definitely. I didn't know that. That <laughs> is so cool. That's really cool to hear as well because Homestar Runner is one of those things that I loved- sort of late high school, even started uni. I was watching a lot of Strong Bad and stuff. And then it's there's been so little content. They've never like closed the site down, but they released mm. like a couple of cartoons a year if we're lucky. We've probably got a Halloween ca- cartoon coming up soon, which yep. is exciting. And I always wondered like, what are those guys doing now? Yeah. So I didn't realize they were writing. They're yeah, doing, yeah, they're on the writing team for That's for that. so cool. Uh, that makes a lot of sense as well. And then Rick and Morty is the other one that comes up. I think if there's yeah. any comparison to a show that's not like a Disney Channel show or something like that at the moment with that sort of crazy out there sci-fi or fantasy um, conceit for every episode. Yeah. Plus the, the obviously Rick and Morty is much more adult and vulgar, but the style of humor, I think an absurdity of it is in the same sort of boat as well. Even the opening tiles remind me of Rick and Morty. Like yeah. the way they sort of like show you clips from adventures that we're never going to see or yeah, take little bits from yeah, different episodes. Um, but there's actually some stuff in apparently um, the creator- Justin uh, Roiland. Justin Roiland and Alex Hirsch yeah. were mates. Yeah, well, I think you can mates. tell. They're not dead. And uh, <laughs> uh, they, yeah, they, they've actually put in little- references to each other's shows right. within the show. And there was there was a period w- during season two when they put in a, like, a major thing that people picked up on uh, to do with, like, something went in a portal in one show and came out of the portal in the other show. That's so cool. And, and people just lost their minds. They're like, oh, the universes are connected. <laughs> 
no, they're, they're just a fun, <laughs> it was little, just reference. A fun little reference. But it's uh, yeah, it's nice to see that they were able to, uh, you know, have the freedom to to put those sort of little Easter eggs and things in. There is, I mean, Justin Roiland does some voices throughout. I'm not sure if he, he ever wrote on the series. Yeah, um, there's one in particular that as soon as he showed up, I was like, oh, that's Justin Roiland doing a voice. That's very Morty esque what he's yeah. doing there. And then there's a bunch of. <laughs> It's almost like they've ripped it. It's, it's like the, it was like Rick and Morty before Rick and Morty. Those TV ads that Justin Roiland does as well. Yes. They like could come straight out of any of those multiverse. Internet, yeah, interdimensional cable. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and that's quite cute too. Uh, the show has a lot of heart as well. And it's something I always appreciate. We talk a lot about on Hunting Seasons. The reasons we get into shows or we get invested in shows, Damascus and I at least, is when we care about the characters. Mm. And they do a great job of building up. Uh, Dipper and Mabel and their relationship particularly. Yeah. I'm not super sold on Stan overall. I think <laughs> Seuss is is uh, well used. I actually really like his character. I think he changes a bit from the pilot as the show goes on as well. Mm-hmm. And I do like Wendy a lot as well and the ongoing sort of mm. um, infatuation that Dipper has with Wendy. Stan to me in some ways is kept at arm's length. There's a reveal at the end of this season, or in the second last episode of this season, I'm looking forward to talking about in spoilers, that sort of tries to go a step to con- making us connect a bit more emotionally or understand him a bit more. Mm-hmm. But I've always felt like he was sort of kept on the outer. He's like a big yeah. mystery that's like kept over there. And he interacts sometimes, but so often he's just like disconnected from the plot or is only involved in the B plot, which is the less interesting thing that's going on this in that episode. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree with everything you said there. Cool. Yep. Uh, world building wise, yeah, you were talking about the continuity that this show has. Um, it starts in one place and yeah, it just does feel like that monster of the week thing, but there are these little breadcrumbs along the way. And you were telling mm. me earlier, I haven't watched season two yet. Season two is really where those and this is this is the tricky thing I'm finding at the moment. Like discussing it, I'm I'm being very careful, sort of treading around the eggshells to try and avoid yeah any spoilers because that yeah it's very hard to discuss the show Mm -hmm. midway through. But you're right about how well the pilot straight up sets things up. It yeah it sets up the world really well of Gravity Falls of the Mystery Shack. And then throws a, a couple little like breadcrumbs your way straight away, things to chew on, things to think about. And they take a long time to start to be revealed or become more relevant. Yeah. But they're always there in the background. The journal that Dipper finds in episode one is there pretty much every episode. Mm. Um, there are mysteries, the other mysteries up in episode one. And they do a really good job of just sort of building, building, building on top of those throughout the season. But also, I just really like the town of Gravity Falls around them. Yeah. The characters of like Lazy Susan or the cops or I don't know the guy's name, but the guy with the short shorts is like, get him, get him. Tyler, yes. Oh, man, yeah. he makes me laugh every time he was on. And there was a great little joke of his at the end. They like, sort of like, it was like the punchline at the end of this ongoing joke. I was just like, that was very funny. Yeah. Well, Tyler, Tyler's an interesting character because, I mean, he's, he's not, but <laughs> but he's interesting in, in, in terms of his backstory- there's backstory as, to Tyler. I mean, I mean from a production oh, standpoint. Oh, sure. Okay. So he's voiced by Will Forte. I'm not sure whether oh. you're aware of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, Alex Hirsch had him come in to just read the line. Get, get him, him. Get, get him. him. 
And then, and he was supposed to be just a throwaway character that was never, never there again. And then they realized it would be silly not to have him in this next particular scene where he says, get him, get him again. Sure. So they had to call up Will Forte and be like, can you come back in and just, and read a line? And so he, he came in and he's like, get him, get him. Is that good? Thanks guys. Yep. And left. And, and, and then they realized they wanted to bring him back even more. (laughs) And so they were like, we're going to give him some substantial lines. They didn't just get him in and go, can you just say get him, get him as many different ways as possible and we can use it in the appropriate context? They should have. I mean, yeah, obviously in <laughs> retrospect, that would have been great. But And there are like even little background characters I want to know more about. I'm really keen to know about Gideon's mum. I think they set her up as a really like, just this, It's a, it could just be a throwaway joke of this just like frazzled housewife yep. sort of situation. But just, I'm like, I just- Just vacuuming just to- Just to, just keep, to survive. Yeah, just yeah, Just to keep yeah, just, going. Block out everything else. Absolutely. And I really do love the the police officers. They're <laughs> unsp- out, not outwardly spoken, but seemingly extremely like... They're a, they're a gay couple, essentially. Yes, they're Disney's like. version of a gay couple. They're as close as you're going to get. But yeah. I really appreciate their fondness for each other throughout. And they're supportive of each other throughout the show. Yeah. They're extremely supportive. Very wholesome and very supportive. And yeah, they're lovely. There is a surprising amount of action in this show as well. Sometimes you think of like kids animated shows, especially Disney Channel stuff, I think, and think like, yeah, there'll be some throwaway action here and there, but it'll be mm. super cartoony and one-dimensional, two-dimensional is probably a better way of putting it, um, and not particularly well choreographed or interesting. But they're from episode one and throughout the series, there's some really interesting and like well thought out and executed action throughout the series, which I really liked as well. Yeah. Um, some great cameos throughout this series as well. Coolio, Larry King, John Oliver. That's just <laughs> All one, in episode. The one episode. Yeah, <laughs> we already mentioned Justin Roiland. There's a few others along the way which I definitely recommend um, looking up afterwards. Um, yeah, but overall, really enjoyed Gravity Falls season one. Yeah. Oh, th- and you, you forgot to mention Lance Bass as one of the uh, one of the members of several times. La- that's Lance yes, Bass from NSYNC. Times. That I was wondering where they just got like all of. Backstreet Boys or NSYNC or someone like that to come in and do that. That was very, very cool. That, that's a mixture of, yeah, Lance Bass, um, Alex Hirsch and Matt Chapman. Yeah, right. Strong Bad fame. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall really enjoyed season one. I I guess I, I think the series gets to a great place at the end of season one where if it wasn't to get a season two, you'd feel satisfied with the emotional arc to some degree. You'd feel like, okay, we ended on a note that sort of sums up what this show is about. Mm. But it's also just getting into what I think is the underlying meat of the show. It seems like to me that they always knew where this show was going to some degree. It had this blueprint laid out, but it had to... I always wonder about this with these sort of shows. Did they pitch it as a Monster of the Week show for kids? And then secretly they've been putting in this like larger storyline and mythos underneath it. And they just have to do a certain amount of work before the Disney will let them do the stuff they really want to do. I feel like that's probably the case. Because I remember that happening with um, the show Dollhouse. Do you remember that? Joss Whedon did that show Dollhouse. That show took six episodes of really average rubbish, you know, monster of the week, quote unquote, 
stories mm. until it finally got to a, oh, this is what the show's actually about. Yeah. But because they had to pitch this as a, yes, every week uh, uh, Eliza Dushku goes in and plays a different character and is yeah. a, a different spy, a different situation sort of thing until they finally got to the, oh, this is the actual story we want to tell. Yeah. Um, I think that was true of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. They had to yes. like tread yeah. water for ages until they could like pull the rug out and go, oh, it was actually about this the whole yeah. time. Yeah, I think also they they had the they had the benefit in Gravity Falls of uh, the first like seven episodes were all done as one production clump. Is that so, right? So, Interesting. So they had that benefit of being able to sort of put things in that reference previous episodes or the next episode, hinting at something yep. that's coming up, um, and they really they went nuts with that. Do you know what didn't help with that though? What's that? I was watching this on Foxtel. Right, it's uh, so Foxtel is an Australian cable service. Essentially, um, they do have it's like a streaming option. Mm-hmm. Um, they only have season one, so I haven't watched any mm. of season two. They also put the episodes out of order. Oh. So, episode one was episode five on that list. That makes no sense. It at was all. bloody annoying, and it was. I was lucky enough to pick up on it early, mm. so I was like, I went back and watched episode five, which was actually <laughs> episode one first, and they kept going through. But they kept switching them up, so there'd be things like they would mention that uh, Pacifica Northwest was Mabel's arch enemy, but it's mm. like we hadn't met Pacifica yet. Right? They put that episode too early, and they'd finally get to like the the party episode. It's like, oh, this is the Pacifica introduction episode. And mm. there was lots of things like that. Um, I think they moved the the boy band one a bit uh, later, I think it was, because there was a reference to them in an episode that was meant to be beforehand. They were uh. reading a magazine with them. That would have been a good little like hint or whatever. Anyway, uh. so that was very annoying. I kept having to go back and forth and like figure out where I was meant to be. Gosh. Um, but the main stuff, except, yeah, I couldn't believe they put episode one at five because it's such a good introduction. That's, yeah, that's really weird. Really weird. I was wondering whether it was one of those things that, because um, they did that with shows like Firefly. Mm. If they didn't believe in the show, they worried the pilot wasn't good enough, they'd make them yeah. do episode two first or move it the pilot deeper into the season. Wow. I wonder where they did that, but I, based off IMDb, they released them all in the correct order. I don't know. Can you imagine Very if they confusing. did something like that with Orange is the New Black or right. something like that? Yeah. People would just, like, they'd, they'd watch a full episode before they went, oh, it's not just an artistic choice to start in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. Like, yeah. It, oh. it confuses me why it happens. In general, I thought there was a lack of care for how the show was put onto Foxtel. I'm a little bit annoyed with them. There's no subtitling or closed captions for it, which most shows oh, have. Because yeah. I like to put them on often because just to make sure I'm, I'm not missing any details and stuff like that. I don't find it yeah. distracting. I find it helpful. And I couldn't do that for this show as well. And I was like, well, that sucks for... Like there's a mm. section of your audience who can't watch this show now because they might be hearing impaired or whatever. And I thought that was just really sucky. Hopefully with Disney Plus coming out, they're going to be able to get the rights back. Though I'm not sure about it now because, I mean, they no, they, held on to, they held on to um, Arrested Development. They did. I don't think they'll care that much about it. Like I said, they don't seem yeah. to have a lot of love for it. Yeah, but true. Maybe I'll get to watch... Maybe we'll have to do season two when Disney Plus releases. If Gravity Falls is on there, mm. we'll definitely do season two together. I would totally be up for that. Excellent. Out of five stars, how would you rate season one of Gravity Falls, Lucas? All right, this is going to be controversial, but I gave it 4.1 stars out of five. You're ruining the system, Lucas. You've broken the system. Well, you can round it down to four. Okay, That's cool. fine. <laughs> um, 
yeah, season two obviously gets would get higher than that, but uh, so yeah, that's I, something that's worth mentioning now. You think like watching it again? You were saying earlier, season one sort of doesn't. It's hasn't fully invested in the overarching storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. season two is where that starts to happen. Season two is where they go full on with it. Does it happen early in season two? I'm just fascinated now. Uh, uh, or does it take a while? Or yeah, is it? it no, it, it it comes in pretty quick. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It does. It's so. It, do they just completely lose the monster of the week thing, or is there still a no. moment of that? Okay, no. Gotcha. This there's still a clearly sort of a. Disney overlooking and saying we want to be able to put this on in, we we want to give this to Foxtel and have them put it in any order. You know, it's yeah. There's still you just made me sad, Luke. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> I'm also giving it four stars out of five. I think it's a it's a really great series, very easy watch at 20 minutes each as well. They just blitz by and you're like into the next episode and just keep watching. I think I watched it overall in like four different sittings. Yeah. Sort of like five episodes at a time. It was really easy to do like that. Uh, definitely recommend. Great show to watch with if you're um, just a kid at heart, obviously, like we are. Mm. Or if you've got kids. I, I'd say like based on a lot of the issues and stuff, this is not... It actually get quite scary at times too. Like there are some really scary monsters and stuff along the way. I found it interesting when I was sort of looking into details about, about the show just to have some extra trivia. Sure. I... Um, I was really surprised that the, that it was when it aired in the US it was a Y7 rated kids show. Yeah. And like given some of the content of it I, I, agree. I honestly don't know how they maintained that rating. I don't it is very cartoony in its stylization like people don't really like they they're very cartoony proportions and stuff like that. So I wonder whether that's part of it but there's like Dismemberment and There's stuff blood. happens in this show. Yeah. I didn't think Disney was into putting blood in children's shows, let alone a Y7 rated one. That's. I hmm. would definitely think it's probably for like uh, prep or, or first graders up and like easily for like tweens, even early teenagers. Mm. Easily. Really, really sits in that bracket really well. I Probably anyone who's old enough to enjoy Avatar The Last Airbender, I think would enjoy it yeah, too. absolutely. Like, they're very different sort of mythos, yeah. but I think they would scratch a similar itch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would recommend it to them. And as I said, kids at heart like me and Lucas who love uh, this sort of stuff. Mm. We want to talk some spoilers though, but before we do that, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning! On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of Gravity Falls. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Gravity Falls up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. They set up this idea that... Dipper's really interested in what Stan thinks of him. We have the episode where we go into Stan's memory scape sort of thing or mm-hmm. mindscape, whatever it is. Mm. And he hears that little memory of Stan saying that, you know, 
he overhears him saying something like he thinks he's a wimpy kid or whatever or, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's got all these problems. And then he mishears that or doesn't hear the context of it, thinks mm. it's about him and gets annoyed yeah. with Stan and wants to abandon him. And he comes back and he hears that again later and we find out all this backstory of how Stan was bullied like Dipper was and, you know, he was taught to toughen up by um, his parents and he's just trying to do the same thing for Dipper. Mm. How do you feel about A, that reveal and B, do you think that was well enough set up in the season, this uh, relationship between Dipper and Stan where Stan maybe was keeping him at arm's length or was trying to toughen him up like this? Yeah, I think it was it was foreshadowed a little bit, yeah. but I don't know that it was an earned payoff. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. Mm. I think that if my biggest problem with the series at this point is just the characters that I didn't super invest in yet. Mm-hmm. So Stan, as I said in my review, just feels like he was sort of kept at arm's length a lot of the time. I think he, there's obviously a lot of intrigue to him. They set that up in the first episode with him going behind the vending machine yeah. into that secret room, whatever that is, which is revealed later on. We'll talk about that. Uh, wonder if there's a deliberate thing to keep him away from the real mysteries that are going on in the show. Did you find it frustrating? that, that Just they- only because he would have his storylines, but they always seem to be the B plot. So it was like, we're setting up Stan with Lazy Susan. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, he just wants to spend time with the kids or whatever it is. And they or they'd have him like watching that television show. Um, you know, he's like, oh, I can't, don't want to get the remote kids. And then he ends up watching the old TV show and getting super invested and then throwing the... <laughs> TV out the window. It's yeah. a cool joke. Yeah. But he doesn't get to be a part of like what's really happening in the show. Yes. And so I get the feeling that's intentional. It's like if he was more involved, he might know too much or whatever it is. But it meant that I couldn't like even that episode where we spend time in his memories, he doesn't remember them being inside his head. Like mm. he's like sort of a what happened scenario. So anything that Dipper found out has no bearing on Stan's feelings towards Dipper or anything like that yeah. now. Yeah, he just feels like a constant periphery character. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's obviously there for a reason, and it can't just be comedic relief. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, that's right. Because the other characters have plenty of that. Even like... Wendy and Seuss and stuff like Absolutely, that. I feel yeah. like we spend lots of time with them and their relationships to the twins, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, yeah, Stan. Yeah, I, he's funny enough, but it's just it's at times it felt like oh, he's just the grumpy old, well, yeah, like I money mean, obsessed I, uncle. I, it never it never super bothered me mm. that he's not in it 
so much. Sure. Like as as he's not involved in the plot so much. He's sort of a B plot character. But I I I always saw that more as like he's the he's the compulsory guardian that needs to be there mm-hmm. for the kids. Um Sure. But yeah, I get where you're coming from, absolutely. Yeah, only because it feels like as much time as we... We do spend a lot of time with him, and yet I don't feel like he spends time in the more interesting plots of the show. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah it's it, That's the frustrating thing for me. Do you think that improves in season two? Do they do a good job of doing more with Stan season two without spoiling anything? Um, I think, yeah, it does. Yeah, they, they do. Or is it an ongoing problem? No, no, they, they definitely address it. Okay, cool. Um, whether it was a deliberate choice or not, I think it was. It was a necessity of the way the show is set up. Like he's set up as a big question mark mystery in episode one. Yeah, and this season ends with like a, oh, here's a revelation or a series of revelations about him. Yeah, but whether they dangled that carrot correctly is is up to. You know, it, I mean, at this stage, we're halfway through the entire story, right? Yeah. It's like 20 episodes in. Mm. That would be my major criticism. The other one that comes to mind is as fun as I think Gideon is from a design perspective, mm. it's a joke that ran thin for me pretty quickly. I hate Gideon. Okay, cool. Maybe that's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. I don't really love Gideon as a character and as a villain. They're not compelling to me. They're just sort of annoying. Yeah, and for the and and for the most part of the first season, he's he's the big baddie, right? Like, yeah, he. he I, I don't know. He just I hate him, and not in the way that you should hate a villain. That's it. He's just irritating. Irritating. He's just annoying. There's fun to be made there. The relationship Gideon has with his dad and with his mum. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like a joke that probably really only needed to be there for one episode. So to, to constantly have him in there. Yeah, to me to me he's kind of he's only really there to be like Stan's nemesis. Yes. Which is funny in itself. Sure. That his nemesis is a is a small child. But sure. you know, of anyone who could be Stan's nemesis, that that works perfectly. But mm-hmm. again, it's sort of that thing where it's like, well, I'm not invested in either of these characters at yeah. this point. So What's why am I watching this this B plot posing as an A plot? Like, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's talk about something I did love though. Mm. I love Mabel. Mm. I think the character of Mabel is fantastic. Absolutely adore Mabel. Uh, Christian Shaw it does a great job with her voice. Can do no wrong. The detail that I loved early on that I started to recognise is obviously her different jumpers in every episode. Mm. Did you have a favourite one of those? The first episode, the shooting star, the shooting star one, yeah. the iconic one. Yep. Yep. I I think my favourite one was her burger and fries one. Uh, it was like a blue one with a burger and then fries all over it. I was like, that's a pretty cool design. I like that one a lot. <laughs> They're uh, actually, um, Alex Hirsch was saying in an interview that his, uh, his sister is basically just the real life version of Mabel. Oh, he's really? He's based Mabel on, because he's, he's got a twin sister. Oh, and, really? And so, oh, so he's really dipper. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But a sort of a weird, bizarro world version of, of each of the characters. But but apparently his yeah his sister had this garish knitted sweater as a child with a like a troll doll on it. Right. And it was like in neon wool, and it just stuck in his head. And he's like, that is just the epitome of this character that I'm going to create. I love one of the things as well. They seem to get rid of after the pilot. She has this 
habit of pushing people when she's like excited. Yes. I was like, that was such a fun detail that just sort of seemed to disappear as the show when I was like, oh, I'll bring that back. The like incessantly pushing or shoving people was quite funny. Um, one of my favorite little things that happened as well, or favorite episodes, not my favorite, but one of them was the video game one where they play Fight Fighter or whatever it is. Fight Fighters, yeah. Fight Fighters. It's like a Street Fighter ripoff. It's absolutely Street Fighter. <laughs> absolutely Street Fighter. But the character, um, oh, I can't remember his name now, Rumble, I think it is, that comes out of the game. I know, are you familiar with sprite work stuff at all? Like, have you, do you play video games much? Uh, used to, yeah. Did you ever so- play Scott Pilgrim versus the World? The video no, game. no, I didn't, no. So, there's this video game. Well, there's the original comic book, then there was the movie, and there was a video game that was released alongside the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's got amazing sprite work in it. Like, works in that 16-bit SNES style. Beautiful artwork, though. Mm. It's a um, Streets of Streets of Rage style brawler. Mm. And as soon as Rumble came out into the real world, I was like, this looks so much like that video game. And it was. Yeah, right. It was actually sprite work done by the guy, uh, Paul Robertson, who <sighs> did the sprite work for Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the game. I was like, this is so cool. That's it's amazing. like, it was one thing to get like all the references right. And there's lots of funny like Donkey Kong jokes and just general video game jokes in yeah. there. But to get like a real life, not just, because you could, I think you could attempt to replicate that stuff with traditional animation, but to get like a genuine sprite artist who's yeah. at the top of their game to come in and do that work, so cool. I really it's, appreciate it's that. It's really the only the only thing that sells that is just how much attention to detail of like, even this, like the standing still animation. Just, yes. This is as still as I can stand. I don't have a look up animation. <laughs> Man, that was very, very cool. Uh, so, there are a lot of mysteries and stuff set up in this. Yes. Um, obviously, the journals... Stan, his uh, vending machine, uh, room behind the vending machine that's up in episode one. A little detail I did like as well. Every time they got close to like a big revelation, mm. a character went close, they would say boring and just move away from it. <laughs> Zeus does it in episode 19 where he gets to see Stan going behind the vending machine, just closes the door and says boring. And then Mabel or Dipper does it in the last episode when they're looking in the book and they're seeing like the plans for whatever the machine is. Yep. And there's like boring and move away. It's like every time they get close to like getting something interesting, like, oh, let's just move on. Yeah. That they, was a funny little detail. They give, yeah. I, I, one of the things I really like about it is, is that they give the audience those things, mm-hmm. but they ultimately do end up paying them off. Because like, I was worried they were not going to. I was worried that like it took so long to get back to the idea of Stan's vending machine room. Yeah. And then they just went boring. And I was like, are they just going to abandon this idea? Are they going to pretend this didn't happen? Yeah. I, I, I kind of wish that I was around when... That I was around. I was around. <laughs> I kind of wish I was aware of um, of the show when it was initially airing. Because sure. on a week-by-week basis, mm. there's so many little details in backgrounds and... And um, codes and things mm-hmm. within the show, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, well, I was going to... Let's go there now. Is there, there any of those that stand out? Because I didn't realise that straight away. I started to recognise those little codecs uh, or codes at the end of episodes. But even within episodes, I started to recognise them. Like yeah. when they go into Stan's dreamscape, I, th- I was like, oh, there's a cipher on the Mystery Shack because mm. you can see where Mystery Shack would normally be written. There was a bunch of like other random letters like, oh, that's going to be 
People will be able to use that to decipher something else. Yeah. And it reminded me a lot of Futurama because mm. Futurama did that with its alien language and yeah. each season it would change. It would get, yeah, more, it would get complex. more complex and yep. people would keep figuring it out. And, and, like- and this was the same. Basically, uh, every episode, the opening titles, at the very end, you can hear some whispering. Yes, yes. And it's in reverse. And <laughs> Was it always different? It changed. Really? Yeah, it changed, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And it, it gave you clues as to, like, for example, um, it would give you clues to, I don't know whether you also noticed, during the end credits of each episode, there's, there's like, a bunch of numbers. String of words or a string or a of string numbers of and symbols. stuff. Symbols. Yeah, yeah. And, and basically the, the whispering at the start would give you a clue on how to decipher initiate that. this cipher, oh. which would change throughout the season and get more and more complex and there'd be more and more layers to deciphering this code. And I don't I mean I don't think that there was anything significant revealed about upcoming plot or That's anything. That's what I was like wondering that. was like how deep did that get? I think there was there was a few things that were like clues at what was going to happen mm-hmm. within the next few episodes, but it was never anything that was like because the internet would immediately work out what it is and go sure. well we've spoiled the rest of the season then they'd have to do a They'd have to do a Lost, wouldn't they? they uh, yeah, where they had to change their ending because everyone guessed it in season one. Sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's true, but that's what it feels like. Yeah. Lost I'm not sure either, but yeah, it's that that that's what that feels like. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's And there's yeah stuff throughout the episodes as well. Um, in between the first and second season, mm. um, they released Journal Number 3 as a product. Oh, that's cool. Um, Do you have it? I don't. Oh, really? I don't have it, no. Um, No, I'm not buying into their marketing. (laughs) Um, But apparently, yeah, that has, um, yeah, all sorts of, like, codes and stuff that uh, when it was released, the ciphers hadn't aired for certain things in there. So, as the series then went on to to progress, people were uncovering more and more stuff in the book as the show went on so that you were only finding out sort of relevant things when they were... When they wanted you to. When they wanted you to within the, the timeline of the show. so cool. And you, when you were saying in your review, you if you were a kid when this came out, you would have been right into it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. This I, would, I wouldn't would have had a clue amazing. how to decipher it because the internet was also young and I would have been... Sure. Oh, no, not really. I was going to say, I remember back when I was like late primary school, early high school, I was on a lot of forums trying to like unlock secrets in the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and stuff like that. That's yeah. 20 years ago now. Yeah. Like this is only seven years ago. I'm pretty sure I would have been heavily involved in like forums and stuff figuring it out. Do you know what it reminds me of actually a a relevant comparison that's pretty recent? Did you ever play um, Five Nights at Freddy's? Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of that sort of stuff in there as well. And they're like five or six games, whatever they've released, plus spin-off games, plus yeah. a couple of books, plus I think like an activity book or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's all these like codes and messages and things to decipher in there as well. Yeah. Um, and kids are cocoa bananas for that. And you kind of wonder actually, because you said already that, you know, if you go and look up Gravity Falls on YouTube, you come up with um, or we may have had this discussion before we started recording. Mm. There's certain in the, episodes- in the, in the cold open. In the cold open. That's right. <laughs> there was certain stuff in that, that from a certain episode that always shows up, right? So, yes. like, yeah. 
Do you know, was this something that was being talked about? Because I can imagine like the internet going crazy to decipher this sort of stuff if it happened now. There would mm. be whole channels yeah. dedicated to like Gravity Falls theories and like yeah. deciphering codes. Does that stuff did that stuff exist at the time? Yes. Oh right, cool. Yeah, yeah wow. there, there was there was the, the Man, subreddit and it would have been so much fun. I wish yeah. I was a kid yeah. back then. But of course, you know, that sort of thing means the stuff was getting solved really quick. Sure, because sure. Because you've got this hive mind of, of people who are into that sort of stuff trying to be the first. Cool, yeah. Um, but, yeah, they did it in such a clever way, having having some of the stuff unsolvable until certain episodes aired and things yeah. like that. That's, it, yeah, it would have been a really, really exciting time to... Just the level of engagement that gets out of your... And again, for kids who you know shows the have reward, all the time yeah, it's 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 really nice. And they they did a similar thing with um, I don't want to divert too much, but um, Star versus the Forces of Evil was mm-hmm. the other the other Disney show that has done a similar thing, right? Where they released um, the main character has a spell book, and okay. they released the spell book in between two of the seasons, and they did the same sort of thing. That's and it's so just, cool. It's such a good idea. It's it gets people engaged. It gets people online just trying to solve things and and working together and actually socialising, and and that's 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 nice. It isn't is it? But it <laughs> if I mean, it fits into the philosophy of the show so well as well. Yeah. It, it, I wonder at what level do you start incorporating that stuff? Is that something you always had planned? It's like, I want to do this show. Gravity Falls, I've had this idea for a long time. There will be this level of engagement with like codex and codes in the show and mm. kids will freaking love it because I loved it as a kid. Or yeah. is that something that comes in later? I'm just I'm fascinated I, I by how like, that works. I feel like that's that's why the stuff sort of started to become more integrated into the show as it went mm. because I'm guessing there was a little bit of pushback from Disney and on this is how we do things. Sure. Um, and as as the show proved itself to be a success and the fan base was sort of showing up on Tumblr and things like that, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, well, let's let's give them some room to play here. There, there's obviously, you know, they saw dollar signs, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Before we get into final thoughts, I sort of gushed about some of my favourite characters. Did you have any particular favourite characters or side characters or little details or anything like that that you wanted to bring up? Um, Blandon Blandon is is really Blandon just... Blandon. Blandon Blandon, the time... Tra- I just... I, I love... <laughs> I, I just love his character. He's just like the idea of... Um, like you, you see, you see time travel tropes mm-hmm. in so many things, but I, I don't think I've ever seen one where it's a time traveler who's bad at their job sure. of of fixing time anomalies and <laughs> and then time traveling, but not doing it well. Like that's that's not a power that you should have if you're not good at your job. Totally. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just really liked that character. It feels like Justin Roiland was given free reign to even name the character. That's such a Rick and Morty thing where things are called like, mm. I'm trying, I can't, you know, they always have random ridiculous names in Rick and Morty as well. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, Blandon, Blandon. Okay. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. That's fine. Uh, anything else you particularly want to talk about? I just really enjoyed the attention to detail that they have with... Um, one of the things that stood out, and it's a thing that I noted down because I laughed quite loudly at it, was uh, the Summerween episode. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, obviously, that's that's amusing in itself. Just like 
shamelessly shoehorning in a Halloween oh, episode. I love even that. Though it's like, it has to be set I've during summer. Got the calendar summer. here. Um, <laughs> yeah, but but like the, I, I had to freeze frame when uh, when they showed it a close up of the the bucket that Dipper had of like bad off brand candy bars. Mm-hmm. And just the candy bar names that were in there, which was like Mr. Adequate Bar, Gummy Chairs. Gummy Chairs are great. Sand Pop. Yep. Count Discount. Count Discount. Gelatin Product. (laughs) And Homework, the Candy Bar. To me, I can see why this show appeals to you. That feels very trying my best to me. That's the sort of stuff. I'm trying to think of some of the... What was the... There was a... Ampersand was the... Oh, yeah, the company Ampersand. Company Ampersand was a big part of trying my best. Ampersand's brand cakes. Ampersand's brand cakes. See, this is totally on your level. No wonder you like this show. I know we tried to hide puzzles and stuff in our show too, but it didn't pan out that way. They're still there. Just I mean, yeah, they're still there, but they'll never be resolved, will they? Why not? Or will they? Exactly. Mm. See, now this is what... It's like if you liked Gravity Falls and are old enough to watch it, Yep. Go watch Try My Best. Yeah, let's turn this into an ARG. Come on, Do everyone. It. <laughs> Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Uh, do you have any side notes, Lucas? Uh, got a little bit of trivia. Yes. Um, originally, Alex Hirsch was trying to get David Lynch to voice Bill Cipher. That would have been cool. Mm. It the, would have been a very different character, I feel. Very, very, very different character. Quite a different tone. <laughs> um, that would have been very, very meta. Did Is just something he said, no, he wasn't interested or? Yeah. Yeah. He just oh, never got back to them. Oh, that's I think ultimately, ultimately, it was the right choice to voice him the way they did. Bill Cipher's a really interesting reveal as well, because well, he shows up in episode 19 and then he's at the very end of the titles in every episode, mm. right? He's mm. that... I feel like now I'm starting to theorize here because I haven't seen season two. I'm trying to figure out the significance of Bill Cipher. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's sort of like based on that symbol that's on American money, right? Of yeah. like the Illuminati eye the or whatever you want to call right? Yeah. His name is Bill Cipher, yeah. as in dollar bill. Yes. And then I'm trying to like connect the dots here, but Stan is obsessed with money. So I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what the power or what the significance of Bill Cipher is. I feel like there's got something going on there. Especially after Gideon's whole plan, we found out that he was like this pretend psychic because he's been using cameras and his badges to like keep mm. an eye on people. I'm like, I feel like there's some significance of some power that Bill has based on currency. Anyway, I'm just to see if that, if that goes anywhere. And if I'm completely off base, I just look like a fool. Uh, least favorite and favorite episodes, Lucas. What was your least favorite episode? My now this was this was tricky. Mm. Not because I I couldn't couldn't bring myself to pick a worst one, but because there was a couple. Sure. No. 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 I agree. <laughs> um, I ultimately landed on my least favorite episode being episode 15, the deep end. Gotcha. Me also. <laughs> oh, okay. <All laughs> Which right. was, I must say, was episode 13 when I was watching it because ah. of Foxtel. <laughs> but it was also the deep end. I uh, might have enjoyed it more if it was episode 13. <laughs> I just thought at that point at that point in the run, um, you kind of want things to progress. Sure. And to me, that episode was all B-plots, no stakes. Yes. And also, I just think, like, we've come across some pretty out there ideas. We've had, like, 
cloning and time travel and blah, blah, blah. And we've just kind of got this merman who can't leave a pool. Yeah. And it's like, like, that's not a bad conceit, mm. but it does keep things very stagnant. We spend so much time just in the pool with this merman who can't leave. Yeah. And the idea of Mermando, this sort of like Spanish mermaid thing is a, like amusing, but it, I agree with you. It's just sort of like, it seems like a lesser episode of the show. Not a bad episode. There's plenty of amusing stuff in there. I enjoyed it fine, but mm. it does just seem it just forgettable. Re- yeah. And to me, it, it retreaded a lot of stuff we already know. Like we already know Mabel's boy obsession. You know, we get a really good montage in episode one that basically paints that picture perfectly. Sure. We already know that Stan and Lil Gideon hate each other. Yep. We know that Dipper has a crush on Wendy. Yep. We know that Seuss is going to Seuss. He's, yep. he's like, yeah, there's, there's, there's sure. really not much to grab onto. And if you- it's making up if, the numbers. If you skipped that episode, it wouldn't change anything. Totally, 100% agree. Out of interest, what other episodes did you think were lesser? What else was on there? I had Dipper versus Manliness. Sure, Episode yeah. six, just because I, I feel weird about how it might have aged not so well. Do tell. That's interesting. Um, I mean, ultimately, I, when I was watching it, I was very aware of, of when it was released. Mm-hmm. But I was also like, I don't know, it didn't sit quite right for me because it sort of comes across as a vague critique on toxic masculinity, yep. which, I mean, Dipper ultimately rejects, but it, there's not really any solid stance that's given at the end of the episode. Sure. So you don't think it sort of sticks the landing with it? Because I mm. was, I, I agree with you. I think, I think its stance ultimately is one of like rejecting toxic masculinity, the idea that you, the, the you can only be a valid man, or that, yeah, it like looks at Dipper's obsession with manliness and that he should be manly, and everyone laughing at him for not being manly. Mm. But you know what was, I think, more problematic in a sense, was not that that episode didn't hit a place where I was like, oh, that's fine. It's that the show itself tends to actually make fun of Dipper a lot yeah. because he's not manly, even after that episode. Yeah. Like, there are lots of digs played at his wimpiness or voice breaking or awkwardness or... I There's things like that continue to be there or... Yeah, I don't know. I found it a little bit confusing in that as well. It's funny mm. because in some ways I thought it was some really positive portrayals. Like I said, the cops are like the closest thing to a Disney gay couple you're going to get in a kid's show. Yeah. And it's like that yeah. seemed really positive. I think they were really like, as you said, very supportive and that was quite a positive thing. And then, I don't know, sometimes the, the critiques or, or Stan's meanness doesn't get called out enough that he when he's teasing Dipper or, or Gideon is another good example of this, right? Gideon is mocked a lot for being small and sort of like mm. girly, quote unquote, and that sort of stuff. And no one really calls it out for being a little bit gross. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think it's a massive deal. Like, I don't yeah. know whether seven years ago makes a huge difference no, or not. No, I don't. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but maybe it hasn't. I agree with you that some elements are a little bit confused or haven't aged perfectly. Yes. And I've got to wonder whether in that, with that episode in particular, uh, um, let alone the rest of the series, whether the fact that Alex Hirsch writing these episodes and basing that character kind of on his childhood, whether yeah. whether that plays into his blindness as to the message as a whole. Sure. And it's more sort of self-deprecating. 
I'm not defending it in any way. Yeah, yeah. No, I think um, it's definitely worth it. But I think it probably, yeah, is one of those factors that might have, yeah. It sort of makes me wonder also about that revelation of the in episode 19, the Stan is trying to like toughen uh, Dipper up, right? Yeah. And so he does that by being cold with him and forcing him to cut wood and making fun of him. Do you mm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It kind of comes across as being like, oh, but he's doing it for the right reasons. And it's like, but does that make it okay like dipper seems okay with it once he's made that decision once he not understands that information but are we meant yeah. to go oh stan's intentions are good therefore this methodology is good or he i don't feel like he critiques <laughs> like how about you just be a supportive grunkle and yeah do you know what i mean yeah I, it's it's still a little bit confused for me in there i mean i mean stan is a little bit like the i mean he's he's he, the shape of his body alone is like that sort of domineering sort of yeah Square jaw, yeah. broad shouldered, yeah. Yeah, it's a, a stereotype silhouette. Totally. And the find out that he was like a greaser back in the day <laughs> really fitted perfectly. Uh, what was your favourite episode? Yeah, see, my favourite episode... Mm-hmm. Is not in this series. Well, that doesn't help. No, no, no. I've, I've done this right. I've, <laughs> okay, I've picked one from this series. Um, for me... Um, it's the Time Traveler's Pig, episode nine. Yes. Which, as 100%. I mentioned, is sort of the episode with Blandon Blandon. Yes. But it's also the, like the reason the reason that I, I ultimately picked that one is because to me, that, that was the first moment where I, I felt the full significance of the show's continuity. Sure. Um, for lack of a better term. Like the, the fact that it, it was the thing that highlighted, hey, there's there's stuff throughout the show that you might have missed. So I've never I didn't go back and checked, but there is a sequence where Dipper and Mabel are traveling through time and they end up in the background yeah. of a bunch of scenes we've seen before from earlier episodes. Yeah. Are they in the background of those scenes? They are. Oh my god, that's so right cool. Right back to episode 1. That yeah. is so cool. Yeah. I didn't go back and check that, but I It's, like, it's amazing that because they they a lot of them are in plain sight, but because you're not familiar with this character. Yeah. Your your brain just kind of blocks them out. Sure. And then you go back and watch them and it's like, "Oh, that's super obvious." That's so amazing. Cuz some of them did seem really obvious. Like there's one I think in the background when they it's like episode two or three or whatever it is, mm. and they're doing the interview with Stan. The, the reporter saying something, and they're like, "It's right in the background." Yeah. Well, Toby Determined does draw the eye, so yeah, that's true. You're right. Toby <laughs> Determined is a great character. I love Toby <laughs> Determined. His name came about when they were they they were they hadn't decided what his name was yet, and it was just to be determined. <laughs> that's so good. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah, the Time Traveler's Peak is my favourite episode as well. And it's also the introduction of Waddles too. Yes, yes. Who is a great inclusion. Um, and that's a funny thing as well, because Waddles is in the opening titles. Yes. Like from episode one. It takes till episode nine to get to, to Waddles. Um, yeah, the Justin Roiland is great in there as... What did he say his name was? Brendan Blandon? Blendon Blandon. Blendon Blandon. I just love time travel and time travel paradoxes yeah, as well. Like lots of fun with that. Yep. We have that little um that little thing of Stan in the snowy um mystery shack as well, where they went yeah. back in time. We see sort of a yep. younger Stan. That's mm. a nice little Easter egg or a little clue in there as well. Mm. I just think for me that episode 
the story itself is not it's not just like the mechanics of it which are fun, but the actual storyline of like Dipper trying to make this work with Wendy, this plan he's got to like, you know, have a date with her or whatever it is. And then it keeps failing when he finally succeeds at the cost of Mabel meeting Waddles. Mm. And then having to make that choice was just a very heartwarming great episode for the pair of them for their relationship for Dipper and Mabel yes I really really appreciate that I appreciate him having to make that choice and to have to give up Wendy in that moment and just let her go off with Robbie whatever his name is Um, I just found that really compelling because it wasn't neat it was a little bit messy and a little bit heartbreaking, but also really heartwarming at the same time. Yeah. And for, like, those are the episodes that always hit me the most, is when yeah. I'm like, I care about the characters' decisions and the sacrifice that they made and those little things. Yeah. Loved that episode. Yeah, absolutely. That was my favorite episode as well. I do want to bring up a couple of others that I loved, though. And if you've got others that you want to highlight, please do. Mm-hmm. I really liked uh, Double Dipping, or Double Dipper, I should say. <laughs> yes. Okay. The yep. episode where Dipper clones himself multiple times. How did you feel about the uh, the failed clone uh, printing error. Yes, of Paper Jam Dipper. Well, I kind of loved Paper Jam Dipper, <laughs> but I wondered whether there could be some... Uh, that was one of those things where I was I was like, I know, like, I, I know that it's a, a kid's show. Something about this doesn't seem like it should be in a kid's show. Something about this is really horrific. Horrific. When you think or... of it as a living thing. Yes. The, I mean, they all die, all of those clones. Yeah. Ha- exist and then cease to exist by the end of the episode. I was worried a little bit about Paper Jam Dipper that it's like, it's almost like a joke about like disability or something like that. Like this, he just wasn't born right. Oh. And he's a little bit different. And it, like, I, I found, it's weird because I find that amusing. It's not a direct anything, but I could feel someone oh. might find it like, like, are you making fun of people who are impeded in different ways or something like right. that? I, I had that little, like, uh, this is a little uncomfortable, maybe. Okay. Again, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't think it's meant to be that way. I think it's completely innocent. A paper jammed. Yeah, I mean, it's if a really you're good photocopying. Point, yeah. And there's like a paper jam version comes out. Well, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, but mm. I, I just overall, I felt the. In that episode, the idea of the multiple dippers, when they address at the start, it's like, we promise we're not going to turn each other right. Yeah, I've seen these movies. We're not going to do that. It's me you're talking about. And then, of course, that happens. And just the... I love it when they point out their theme at the end of the episode, too. Like, I was literally getting in my own way. It's like, huh, boom. It's just like... (laughs) (laughs) Like, just that revelation. And I think very meta. I like that. And then the other one I loved was episode 10, Fight Fighters. Um, which is the video game episode we talked about as well. I just think it was the episode I laughed the most. It's full of reference humor. Like, it's just video game reference humor. Mm. But I love the sprite work um, that they did there um, for Rumble, uh, the Paul Robertson sprite work. Um, Yeah, the different video game references just made me laugh throughout. Um, Yeah, it was just a really loving sort of love letter to video games and... Just so often you, I thought they were going to go into the video game. And so having the video game come out and sort of exist in real life. And then just playing with those conceits, like when he goes above him or he falls flat on his back or having to lose to the game. Like it was a very just clever use of all those tropes. Mm. Did you have any other episodes that stood out to you? Any favorite like monsters or? Um, 
I well, in in general, I I just appreciated the creativity of the monsters. Yeah, they were never just monsters that you know of. They were some weird adaptation of of an existing monster. Like, totally. Like the yeah the 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 Loch, Loch Ness monster or the Gobble Wonka mm-hmm. um, was like it was a robot. Um, the the bunch of gnomes in the, the first bunch episode. of gnomes in the first. That's a great little like seeing up to be the zombies, and they've already shown how the book open up on yeah. gnomes, and then like to like, fall into that was that fun. was really nice for them. Like it looked like a throwaway gag, and yep. then it ends up being, hey, these things exist in this world, so just preparing you, no big deal, and and then having them revealed as gnomes. It's really nice. I quite liked. I'm just going through sort of the list here because I I kept track of like the different. Monsters for each episode. I'd like the wax figures that came to life, that mystery of like who killed the wax Stan mm-hmm. and then it being the actual wax figures. Like, there's a lot of precedents. I understand this is set in the United States and there's a lot of like, but they keep bringing up like I've seen um, Richard Nixon. I've seen Ronald Reagan mentioned, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Obviously, the eighth and a half president yep. uh, whose name I can't remember. Quint- all of a sudden. Quentin Trembley. Trembley. He's on the negative $12 bill. Negative- How do you not know him? <laughs> Negative twelve dollar bill. This is more than worthless. Um, yeah, the I liked the wax figures. Um, the haunted convenience store. The stuff with like Mabel and her sugar delusions was fun. There, the Manator cloning we did obviously. Mm. National conspiracies, time travel we loved. Um, the shrink and grow ray was fun. The Halloween monster. There was one I just wrote capitalism. That was interesting. <laughs> Boss Mabel. There was no real like. There was like that gremlin, ogre, goblin thing, whatever it was. Yeah. But there was no real mystical element. It was just like the monster was capitalism. He could. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, oh, and the bottomless pit was an interesting one as well because that turned into an anthology sort yeah. of episode. Yeah. But I was I was kind of hoping it was just going to be a bottle of ep- episode of them trying to figure out the bottomless pit. Like when they that were just was, falling through darkness, like this could be a really cool episode of just them a bottle episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm all, I I'm always on board for a bottle episode. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't pull them off, but yeah, but yeah, that one that that was their intention. Their intention was to just have them falling, and the idea was this will this will save on production. We'll have this one done in no time. Yeah, um, and then they ended up finding that they couldn't. Make that couldn't work. Couldn't make that work. Oh, damn. And then ended up, it, it was a more costly episode because there was so many locations and- Like multiple characters and stuff you had yeah. to create for the different stories. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sucks for them. So, yeah, bottle episode that backfired. That sucks for them. Uh, all right. We should get things finishing up. But before we do that, we normally do a predictions, hopes, concerns thing. Mm. Obviously, you can't do that. No. You've seen it all. Mm. I have not- I don't really have any predictions, but I did just want to list off and maybe you can remind me if there's anything here I'm missing. Sure. The clues and unresolved storylines we have here so far. Mm-hmm. So, we've obviously got the journals, the three journals. We don't know who wrote them. We know that in the first episode, I think it's revealed by Dipper that the person who wrote the journals had been investigating Gravity Falls for about six years, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, the, the, sorry, the writer in the book mentions a he who's watching him. Yes. It sounded like that might have been Bill Cipher, but I don't think that's explicitly said. It's not. Okay. There's a mo- the monocle inside the uh, inside the journal, I feel like is a clue as well, but we don't know what the significance of that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gideon had the second book. Um, then they found, we found out that Stan has the first book. So now he's got all three. Um, I don't think this is necessarily significant, but I'm wondering whether Dipper's birthmark is going to come back at some stage. Like I thought that was really interesting. It's hidden under his hat that he's got this 
Big Dipper birthmark. That's his namesake. But I wonder was like, I wonder if that means something, mm. you know. It's written in the stars to some degree. There's some significance there. We had that young Stan flash in the snowy mystery shack when they were time traveling. The big one, I think, is the glasses they find in the room full of the experiments. Mm-hmm. I love that little detail later where like Stan picks up the glasses and he's like, he's not making a big deal of the time, but later on he's just sitting in his chair just like looking at them. Mm. Like, whose glasses are these? I need to know <laughs> whose they are. And then obviously just Bill Cipher and how does he know Stan? In this, when they were interacting with him this time, he just takes over Stan's brain and then Stan doesn't seem to remember the interaction happening at all. So he didn't get to react at all to Bill Cipher's presence. So we don't know what the significance of that is. And then obviously just at the end, what is the machine? And like, it feels like Stan's talking to somebody or maybe he's just talking out loud to himself. Mm. But it at least alludes to this was ongoing work that he and somebody else or somebody else's had started. And so we have, what? what's the final line? It's like, here we go. Here or we go. Like that. Yeah. And it's like, it just feels like it's about to kick into overdrive. Yeah. Are there any other clues that I've missed or any significances that- I think you've done an amazing job at picking up every single major clue that they have hidden in there. Okay. And and yeah, I can't think of any that- any anything to add. You've you've got what they've put down. Okay, cool. That's that's good. I think- I mean, they don't- they haven't necessarily hid it, if that makes sense. They're there if you're paying attention. Yep. They put those little moments in there to tease- more than just like, because like, they're not really clues, right? They're not going to, they, or maybe they can, maybe later you go back and go, oh, that was so obvious or that was so obvious or obviously, yeah, those were pointing in that direction. But right now it doesn't seem like there's anything to give away. It's just like intrigue, intrigue, yeah. tease. And I will and say I'm intrigued. With, without giving anything away, mm-hmm. um, some of some of those clues, mm-hmm. when, when they come into play, they'll feel real satisfying. Because that's always a big thing, right? Is, is whenever you set up a show based on mystery, and you've mentioned Lost already this episode, <laughs> or I think of um, Westworld, mm. or like Fringe is another one that comes to mind. There are lots of shows that set up the potential for a mystery and do not know how to pay it off. Yep. But for you, you found like the resolution or the... yeah getting to the point of these clues satisfying, it gets to something satisfying. Yeah. The the second season retains um, the feel of the first season. Yeah. But it feels dark, a little darker in tone. Ooh. Um, and a little bit, it takes itself a little bit more seriously. Okay. So, um, yeah. Oh, man, that's fascinating. Yeah. I don't want to hype it too much, though. No, no, the, I that, You always that. also run that risk of, like, overhyping something and- and then finding yourself going, well, that was overhyped. Yeah, totally. Um, but for you, obviously, the second season's the best season. Yeah, of the two. Yeah, okay. I like both of them, but second season is what what makes it a good show. Sure, to me, makes it worth revisiting. Makes it worth yes. Okay, yep. to, talking about hunting seasons. Well, thank you very much for doing that for coming on talking about today. I appreciate you filling in for Damask. And if Gravity Falls is on Disney Plus. I promise we'll do a season two episode because now I really want to. 
and you've completely hyped up season two as being the best thing ever. I've ruined it. <laughs> and there's no way you can live up to those expectations. Oh, God. And thank you for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club, the man you've been listening to today. Yay. How would you like people to find you? Um, they can find me... Um, birthday Loyalty Club. Birthday Loyalty Club. Dot com. Oh, wait, dot com. Wait. wait. Well, there, there are links in our show notes. Let me check and make sure we renewed the website. <laughs> you can Forget also, it. while you do that, you can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S. And you can find Damask at Maskymoo, M A S K Y M O O. Next episode, Hannah Dallas will return to discuss Big Little Lies season two. And after that, Damask should be back. So we can discuss Fleabag Season 1, which I'm looking forward to. Is that right? Is the website still up? Oh, it's still up. Oh, that's good to hear. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.